Max, ¿preparado? Son de... It's about uh, 7 o'clock Caribbean time. Uh, we uh, like to uh, welcome you. I would like to thank uh, Duke uh, Center for Multicultural Affairs for allowing us, inviting us to have this uh, gathering here. We'd like to uh, thank uh, Talia Wellman, who is a candidate for a doctorate in this uh, school for being our uh, liaison for uh, this event. This uh, Noches de Candela Poetic Vigils uh, are a series of um, events, literary events, popular culture events, aimed at uh, remembering hundreds of thousands of enslaved Africans that were brought into Mexico through San Juan de Lua. San Juan de Lua is a fortress, one of a series of fortresses that were constructed during the colonial period in the Caribbean. Veracruz was the uh, central nerve of the uh, wealth that was taken out of the Americas by the Spaniards and their uh, allies throughout the colonial period, 300 years in the case of the mainland, 400 years in the case of Cuba, and longer in the case of Puerto Rico. But anyway, the point again, it's to have these vigils to try to rescue from oblivion, from official forgetfulness, those ancestors that in one way or another influence our lives, made possible for us to, to be here today. Uh, to do so, the first uh, uh, event, of course, is being held here in Duke, and uh, I asked some uh, colleagues and friends to join us to uh, do this lining, jiving, talking, as you will. And uh, I invited uh, Dr. Uh, Ian Smart, invited uh, Dr. Johnny Webster, uh, invited uh, Kimberly Hernandez, but also I invited uh, our new chair in the department, uh, Dr. Patrice uh, Gobea Marks, and she's hiding over there in the corner, and uh, she should be doing the, the first uh, remarks. And I know that I was really late, so uh, please, Dr. Marks, would you like to come to the front and address this audience? Yeah. Welcome, Dr. Marks. Hi, everyone. Um, I, in front of a classroom of students, I'm comfortable, but these things really get me nervous. Um, I just want to say that I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about being here on, on many levels, and I'll, I'll make my mind very brief. Um, because, first of all, um, Dr. Ian Smart, I'm coming full circle here. Dr. Ian Smart is, is um, from my country, which I'm very proud of, but he was also my first Afro-Hispanic teacher at Howard. So attending this event um, here tonight is, is like coming full circle because this is also my first event of this type. So to be here with him for me and, uh, is, is very interesting. Um, and as he will tell you, um, growing up in the Caribbean, when we did um, history, 
when we did Caribbean history, when we did world history, I think as is the experience of many, um, because even when I ask my students at various universities, don't you know who this person is? Haven't you heard? It's, 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 it's a very selective history that has been presented. I myself didn't learn until my days at Howard um, that there were black people in Africa, in, in not in Africa, in Mexico, that there were Africans brought to Mexico, and that at one time, I, I, I think this is starting around the 16th century, I'm not an expert in this area at all, um, around in the 16th century, um, that between the 16th century, not until the 19th century, were there more Spaniards than Africans in Mexico. So there were more Africans than Spaniards in Mexico for almost 300 years, which is, which is very fascinating. I've visited four Spanish-speaking countries with um, an African heritage. Starting, I've visited Spain, and if you, you know... Um, about the Moors ruling Spain for over 700 years. I visited the Dominican Republic, Mexico, and Costa Rica. And one of the things that they have in common, and I think that what makes this night so very much needed, is the um, rejection that there is an African presence here. Um, in, and, and even in countries where you say, come on, it, it seems to be very visible, it seems to be very obvious, it, it's, this, that seems to be the trend that um, Quince Duncan puts it very well, he says, aquí no hay negros. <laughs> and, um, and that is very relevant, um, not relevant, sorry, prevalent, I think, throughout a lot of Latin America. So I am I'm very excited to be here tonight, um, and I, um, I know I'm going to learn a whole lot because this is a, a, a burgeoning field. It's, people say it's a new field, and, and, and that's actually a shame. It's a shame that this is only that you have to, in most cases, you have to go to an HBCU to even know about some of these authors. They're not mentioned. As a result, um, Dr. Webster, Dr. Hernandez Cuevas, and, and, and others, I sort of wrote them in a, uh, last week, but I think it's something they were thinking about before. At NCCU, we want to put together an Afro-Hispanic reader so that non-traditional um, schools that are not non-HBCUs, when they're doing there are other textbooks where not, none of the African presence is mentioned or, or it's only mentioned in terms of and the slave scheme and, and, and that's it, that, that um, students would have a, a much better picture. And then finally I just want to talk a little bit about, um, uh, about Dr. Smart. Um, as I said, he's from my, my country. He's actually from the same city that, uh, that my husband was born in. They're both Belmont boys. And um, I comes from a very well-known family in Trinidad. He comes from, I think he's the second in a family of 12, big family like my own. And, and what's particularly interesting, because tonight is a religious observance, it's a cultural observance and a religious observance, is that Dr. Smart use one study to become a priest. Um, so I think he's very a Roman Catholic priest. Um, he's he's, he's a, a, an extremely well-known scholar um, internationally, in not just in 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 
in um, he's a, a professor of Spanish at Howard University, but he's also very well known um, for Africana studies, Caribbean literature, um, Carnival, which is which is our passion in the in the Caribbean. And again, I, for me, it's it's a great honor to be here, and I feel as though tonight I am going to learn as much as as our students here. And thank you. Recently, uh, Governor Schwarzenegger uh, made a declaration to the media, a joke about the partial black blood, and I quote, of Cubans and Puerto Ricans to explain their uh, hot tempers. He was referring to a congresswoman in California. According to historical accounts and popular culture, or popular culture wisdom, uh, this is the farthest thing from a lie. In fact, and seriously speaking, according to the non-official history of Latin America, the African presence and persistence is much more pervasive than actually is accepted. Uh, very often we guide ourselves by the curly hair, by certain features to point out who is uh, of African descent and who is not. And you know, uh, there are many African Americans in the United States who look Latino, and we are ready to accept that. Why can we not accept that Latinos are actually African-Americans as well? Simply because Latinos don't want to accept it? Simply because Latinos get offended when somebody calls them African, calls us African? Well, times have changed. Now it is time to begin recognizing not only that our great-grandparents came from the other side of the water, but that actually they did not come happily. They were not touristing around. And that places like San Juan de Lua need to be visited. We need to visit and we need to come over there. We need to come over there with one of those things. They are called candela. We need to prender candela in the places. We need to rumba. Rumba means that Oshun, the goddess of love, and Shango, the trickster, get together, make love, and bring about them that particular feeling that invades the hearts of people. Prender Las Velas, our great friend, Father Glenn Jamat, Padre Glenn, uh, tried to tell me, but it is not Prender Velas, it's Prender Candela. That is to capture this spirit, this spirit of party, this spirit of celebration that people in Mexico City right now are capturing in the Central Plaza against corruption against people trying to be taken for a walk. It is true that not everybody voted for this government, but it's true also the government is corrupted. Everybody knows, except Mexico. You know, everybody knows how much of you know ugliness has been done. Well, it is time for us to make a change. How are we going to do this change? Politically? No, we're going to do it culturally. We're going to begin doing it this night. Following this night, we're going to have another event at North Carolina Central. We came out of there to invite you to come. I haven't told my boss yet what this idea is about, but I'm going to rebuild this here. On the 1st of November, we're going to light up another candela. We're going to celebrate the Day of the Dead right there. And we're going to see the significance of that tradition in Mexico and how it ties to these other traditions that are African-based traditions, Bantu traditions of millions of years. Yes, in the past. You know, that's why Mexicans, before putting the bubble to the mouth, we spell a little bit in the ground, right? 
So uh, I am not going to bore you anymore. I'm going to introduce Dr. Ian Smart, who, as uh, Dr. Marx has said, was born in uh, Belmont, port of Spain, Trinidad and Tobago, and is currently a tenure-full professor of Spanish at the Department of Modern Languages and Literatures, Howard University in Washington, D.C. He earned a PhD in Spanish from UCLA, I won't say the year, and MA in Mexico eh, National University, la Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México. He actually studied one of my favorite writers, Arreola, and uh, Arreola was present in his uh, defense. I wish I had been there. It's one of my dreams. But anyway, and he got a BA in French and Spanish from the University College in Dublin, Ireland. Dr. Smart founded the Afro-Hispanic Institute Press in 1987 and Original World Press in 1994. Dr. Smart is an internationally known literary and cultural critic, author, uh, author and translator. Dr. Smart has an extensive public, uh, publication record. We have a lot of his books there. You can take a look at them. You can even buy them if you want to. And over 60 essays and scholarly articles published in various nations of Africa, Europe, and the Americas. So would you please join me and welcome Dr. Pierre Smart. Um, thank you, Marco Polo. I was trying to, to do this thing um, excitingly and, and off the cuff, but I'm an incorrigible um, scholar, and I, and I, so I have to stick with my text. I think what, what I'm going to do is um, connect, in, so re, re, um, reaffirm the African, or at least affirm the African core of, of civilization and of especially Hispanic culture and civilization, not by, not by, but by a, a, stu a study that uh, I'm going to read some pages from, a, from my most recent book, um, New Orleans Genocidal Negligence or Cosmic Reconciliation. And these pages have to do with, um, you will see that they have to do with carnival. <clears throat> It'll all come together at the end. So, so I'll just read. Um, am I standing in the right place for everybody? Everybody can hear me? <laughs> okay. Octavio Paz, the Mexican Nobel laureate, in 1956 authored a singularly insightful work on poetry, El Acre y la Lira, The Bow and the Lyre. In this book, there's an entire chapter devoted to the issue of rhythm. Paz asserts with profound insight, and I quote, there's a rhythm at the heart of every utterance. Words come together and move apart in accord with certain rhythmic principles. If language is a continuous back and forth of phrases and verbal associations controlled by a secret rhythm, by reproducing this rhythm, we would gain power over words. The poet creates through analogy. His model is a rhythm which beats at the heart of every language. Rhythm is a magnet. When we reproduce it through meter, rhyme, alliterations, and other processes, it summons words. That's the end of the quote. Classical African metaphysics holds that the universe is composed of vibrations of different frequencies. It follows then that the universe of language would itself be essentially composed of vibrations of different qualities. That is to say, as Pass asserts, there's a rhythm which beats at the heart of every language. This is just the beginning for Pass. He would pursue his insights to the lot to its his insight to his logical conclusion. His first step is expressed in the following, and I quote 
and the poet's approach is very similar to that of the magician. Both of them employ the principle of analogy. Rhythm incites an expectation, it stimulates a longing. If it is interrupted, we feel let down, something is broken. If it continues, we expect something which we cannot name. Rhythm engenders in us a disposition of spirit which can only be satisfied with that, with that something comes, when that something comes forth. It puts us in a state of expectation. Rhythm effects an operation quite distinct from that of clocks and calendars. Time ceases to be an abstract measure and returns to being what really is a concrete reality, teleologically endowed. It is a continuous springing up, a perpetual thrust forward. Time is a constant movement towards transcendence. That's past. Pass is saying the same thing that those trained in traditional Yoruba theology have maintained, namely that human beings access the cosmic forces, or the Orisha, or the Neturu, is what the term is in, in ancient Egypt, whenever there is a compatibility of vibrations, that is, of rhythm. Pass even slips into the same language as the renowned Africanist Jan Heinz Jan, author of Muntu, when he likens the poet to a magician. Furthermore, Pass declares explicitly, quote, the relationship between rhythm and the poetic utterance is not any different from that which exists between dance and musical rhythm. Federico Garcia Lorca said exactly the same thing, and as we saw earlier in the book, this is basic to classical African aesthetics as presented by Leopold Seda Sango, the chief theoretician of the Negritude movement. Pass understands that rhythm, like time, is perceived by the human mind as succession. He is at pains then to make the distinction between rhythm, which undergirds the universe, and time, and time as it is generally perceived. Morgana, this was a, 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 a woman who is um, an expert in Yoruba culture, Yoruba theology, affirmed that the seers of old had, quote, perceived that the universe was made up of vibrations with different qualities, end of quote. The repetition, the repetition on which rhythm is based is not the mundane succession which we generally perceive time to be. Um, Pass says, Rhythm serves to commemorate, or more precisely, to reproduce certain myths, the appearance of a devil or the arrival of a god, the end of a period of time or the beginning of another. Rhythm is not just a mere measure, it is a vision of the universe. Rhythm is a living image of the universe, a visible incarnation of the cosmic law, yin, yang, yi, yang, yi, yang. After the yin comes the yang, this is the Tao. End of quote. Path probably was not aware of the full significance of his assertions. We saw that, according to Federico Garcia Lorca, in the quintessential Hispanic artistic tradition, rhythm summons the duende. Clearly, Garcia Lorca's duende would correspond exactly to the devil whose appearance is, quote, reproduced, end of quote, through rhythm, or, or the god, end of quote whose arrival is, is similarly reproduced. Um, Pass says, 
Rhythm is not philosophy, it is an image of the world. That is to say, it is the cornerstone of all philosophies. A date in the sacred calendar, quite the contrary of a date in the secular calendar, is not just a marker of change, it is a living reality invested with supernatural forces, which it incarnates in specific sites. The action of myths unfolds in archetypal time. And what is more, this time, by virtue of being archetypal, can be reincarnated. The sacred calendar is rhythmic precisely because it is archetypal. A myth is a past action, which is a future one that is ready to be made to reoccur in the present. Our good times die the same death of all times. It is succession. On the other hand, the mythical date never dies. It is repeated. It incarnates. Thus, what distinguishes mythic time from every other form of time is that it is archetypal. A past ever susceptible of becoming a today. The myth is a floating reality, always ready to be actualized into being one, actualized into being one more time. All, all of this is related to what Carnival is about. <clears throat> yeah, of course, you'll have to read the whole book to see this kind of thing. Path obviously seeks to make his point by dint of repetition. He clearly needs to do so for his declarations are uncommonly profound. Well, <clears throat> Um, he goes on making these points about 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 rhythm, and and I'm making the connection between that uh, the, between rhythm and the and the Yoruba theolo the, theological um, uh, um, theological theory about what the gods are, what the what these um what these Orisha, and um, I want to make the connection with with, with past. Well, I'll, I'll read a little bit more. Um, Nine years later, Pass published Quadrivio, in which he expands on his theories of poetic rhythm with particular reference to modernismo, the turn of the 20th century Hispanic-American literary movement, which came into being essentially as a, as a thrust towards independence from the mother country, Spain. Pass, Pass writes, oh, this is interesting. Modernismo was a prodigious exploration of the rhythmic possibilities of our language. In sum, the novelty of modernismo lay in the invention of meters, its originality in the resuscitation of accentual rhythm. But what I want to underscore is that their cosmopolitan, cosmopolitanism led Spanish-American poets to try many graphs and cross-fertilizations. And these experiments showed them what was truly the central tradition of Spanish poetry, rhythmic verse. I say the and not a Spanish tradition because the tradition discovered by the modernists, quite distinct from the one which the purists fought to defend, is the central and oldest one. Um, I'm going to talk about Charles Baudelaire and um, and how he was, in fact, um, he was the far, he was one of the he won the French um, symbolists, chief French symbolists. And this, the modernists follow the symbolist aesthetic, and, and of course, rhythm is central to, to Charles Baudelaire and, and to the symbolists. We talk about the forest of um, correspondences, uh, correspondences of rhythm. <laughs> so we're talking about what I'm talking about is because these 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 aesthetic philosophies are Yoruba and and and, um, 
and this this confirms the you know the, the profound connection between um between between the, the, between um Hispanic that in person and um and the and the Yoruba and the so the African tradition it confirms uh, so, so in in um philosophically the point that, that Marco Polo makes for example in his book that um that that carnival is at the core of the African of the of the Mexican aesthetic and the carnival is fundamentally African. Um, um, Pass asserts unequivocally that by turning to poets of Baudelaire's stripe, Ruben Darío, a Nicaraguan who is considered to be one of the greatest poets in the entire history of literature in Spanish, and the Spanish Americans discovered their authentic voice. Furthermore, whereas this authentic voice is quintessentially Hispanic, it has gone unheeded by the mainstream, <coughs> the essential, quintessential Hispanic poetic voice. And here's what, here's what um, Paz says about it. Spanish language poetry has never dared to make such a declaration, has never envisaged nature as a dwelling place of the spirit, nor rhythm as the way of access, not to salvation, but to man's reconciliation with the cosmos. Modernism begins as an aesthetic founded on rhythm and ends up as a rhythmic vision of the universe. And there's something else. The poetic movement of these Spanish Americans is impregnated with an idea that is foreign to the peninsular tradition. Poetry is a font of revelation distinct from religion. Poetry is the original revelation, the true principle. This is the only point made by all modern poetry, from Romanticism to Surrealism. In this vision of the world lies not only the originality, but the very modernity of modernismo. Um, Pass's assertions above are, fairly, are fully consistent with what scholars like White, um, not a scholar we used before, have called the uh, hermetic tradition, the understanding that, as Morgana put it, the universe was made up of vibrations with different qualities which Yoruba theologians term Orisha, but which the original African sages term Neturu, the etymon of the, of the Latin word nat Natura. Neturu is the collection of gods. This is Latifus Natura, which is nature. <coughs> Furthermore, Pass expressly introduces the idea of man's reconciliation with the cosmos. To ensure salvation, human beings have to be attentive or attuned to the fundamental rhythm of nature, the natural. African philosophical and theological systems in the very beginning of recorded history have been aware of this fundamental principle. The white supremacist system has sought to incorporate the core values of African civilization without acknowledging their debt to Africa. For this reason, the white supremacist system has gone astray and is in dire need of reconciliation with the cosmos. And then I go on to, to the meat of the matter, which is the kind of, talk about the New Orleans. Remember, this is a book about New Orleans. Talk about New Orleans and carnival. <coughs> okay. Um, I'll just read. How much more time do I have? Because I don't want to. Uh, five. In 2000, Original World Press, that's our press, released the book, A Comeback Home Perspectives on the Trinidad and Tobago Carnival. One of the pivotal essays in this collection was entitled Carnival, the Ultimate Pan-African Festival. The fundamental argument made is that Carnival is the modern day form of the festival celebrated by Africans from the Nile Valley in honor of their principal Orisha or Nature, Wasif, 
whose name the Greeks mistakenly transformed to Osiris. Pass has said that the action of myths unfolds in archetypal time. And what is more, this time, by virtue of being archetypal, can be reincarnated. Festivals are the reincarnation of this archetypal time and can only be celebrated by people who are attentive and attuned to the fundamental rhythms of the universe. Um, that is what I said about, um, in, in, about communities such as, um, such as in Trinidad and Tobago, in, um, in, in Bahia, in Barranquilla, Colombia. Um, when they reduce the strong, there can be a, a carnival because we understand, we understand how to do festivals. In New Orleans, um, what happened was that the, the, the festival got watered down by being, I mean, by being contaminated by, by, um, by other people. And, and it became, so the festival is just a joke. But there's, there's, there's a, the, the Mardi Gras is a joke, but there's a real festival in New Orleans, a true festival, and that's the, the funerals. That, that's the, the funerals, right? So and there's something called the second line. And, um, and I want to quote what um, Reed, uh, Ishmael Reed cites about this second line. Cites, cites Louis Armstrong who says, once the band, st- you, know, you know, the thing is that on the funeral, they go to the cemetery, sad music, and then they come back with the festival, with, the, with, the, with carnival. He says, once the band starts, everybody starts swaying from one side of the street to the other, especially those who drop in and follow the ones who have been to the funeral. These people are known as the second line, and there may be there may be anyone passing along the street who wants to hear the music. The spirit, the spirit hits them and they follow. The spirit hits them and they follow. So that's where the carnival is. The real carnival is in New Orleans. So um, this is this is um this is um basically of what um what uh, uh, the connection I want to make between um to show the importance of carnival. Um, Marco Polo. This book, um, you know, is it, 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 taking us to taking us a new direction because I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have dared to say that um, that 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 the, you know, the Mexican ethos was fundamentally African. I didn't even I, I knew that there, I knew that Octavio Paz had understood the fiesta, understood he understood the fiesta, so he understood what the festival was about. But I didn't realize that um, that that. That he understood it. I thought he. I thought he got it through um through having studied in in um studied the sages in, in, in India, uh, um, the Hindu the Hindu um and, and the Eastern Eastern um, sages who of course just continue the Kemetic tradition. <clears throat> um, but Marco Polo points out that 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 what's really happened is that he saw it practice in Mexico because the Mexicans um. The Mexicans have, have gotten to the, the the ethos was developed by 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 Africans by fidelity to the African tradition. So so but 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 Octavio Paz he, he needs to he's confused just like just like Garcia Lorca they, they got so far they, they they can't understand it but they can't reach to the bottom of it because 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 they don't they don't acknowledge they don't acknowledge the the African source. <coughs> 
So that so Octavian Paz says when the when the Mexican looks into himself in the fiesta, he looks into the replegues, um is vergonzoso, si terrible de su ser, into the into the very the, the very core, the very visceral of his of his being. They are, they are shameful and they're terrible. Well they're shameful and terrible because when he looks into himself, he sees Africa <laughs> and that's frightening. <laughs> um, so so what we have to do is to understand that that it's beautiful to have Africa there because Africa is at the core of all civilization. Thank you.